Hello and welcome to Trek About. I'm your host, Rad- Radish Garnish, and I'm here with Eggs Benedict, and we're here to talk about the Star Trek episodes Warhead and Equinox. I don't understand what you're doing. Well, you know how Balana has BLT as her nickname, and how Tom Paris is now known as Turkey Platter, so I figured that's the cool Star Trek thing to do, is come up with nicknames based on the foods that your initials make. Oh, okay. All right. I'm with it. Yeah. What was yours again? Sorry. Radish garnish. I can't really think of anything else that... Radish garnish? It's the only thing. How about roast grief? That's not a food. That's a state of life. So Warhead is... um, It's a good episode, (laughs) but it's also pretty much a repeat of Dreadnought from like the second season, and... I guess that's fine because it's doing something a little different, but it also strikes me as an episode that is extraordinarily complexly plotted and probably could have jettisoned at least one of the elements and still been pretty good. Well, the way I feel about it is it's a great Harry Kim episode that also makes it very clear why Harry Kim is an unnecessary character because – I feel like where they're trying to go with Harry Kim in this episode is, you know, he's the Captain Planet power of heart on the ship, right? Like, he may not be the most technically experienced, he may not be the make the most sound decisions, but at the end of the day, he saves it, he saves the day by being able to appeal to the bomb's sense of humanity and empathy, and he is able to get through to him and realize it's very wrong to do this and th- to to make the to recognize the value of self-sacrifice and the value of life and all of that and these are wonderful things for harry kim to do except we already have a power of heart on the ship which is neelix who is literally the self-appointed morale officer i mean neel there is nothing that harry kim does in this episode that neelix couldn't do and more entertainingly because i like neelix yeah, I mean, I, I agree with all of that. And I think that, that I mean, they're trying with Harry Kim. And I think that, <laughs> that it's good they're trying with Harry Kim yeah. because he has been sidelined for so long and, and he has not really been given much of a character. And it, it feels to me like they really, they really can't figure out who Harry Kim is or they can't satisfactorily come up with a personality that they enjoy writing for him and that garrett wang can play well and i'm not saying that garrett wang is not playing all the different versions of harry kim well he certainly is but i fundamentally and we get to this point with harry kim all the time where i still fundamentally don't know what they're doing with him and you know we have gotten to this place before with him of course where harry kim he's the little boy fuck up you know and there, there's an element of this which is a repeat of something like Demon from the end of the fourth season where he gets to lead his first away mission and yeah. it ends in disaster. Um, you know, he, he leads an away mission in this episode that kind of ends in disaster, but he is able to fix it. I guess what they're trying to say is that Harry Kim isn't very good at his job, but he also is able to pull out solutions at the last minute. So I guess that's fine. Yeah, I mean, this episode textually deals with Harry Kim being a fuck-up. Like, it is in this episode that he realizes every time I've made a decision, it's led to something worse. I have never met made a command decision that has been great on all fronts in the end, and I better just sit down, shut up, and do nothing. And I really hate to say it, but I don't know if Harry Kim really is a good leader. He He simply might not be and that's okay he has other skills and we can spend a couple hours figuring out what those are i mean he's really he's the greatest clarinet officer that voyager has but we i didn't really like the character of barkley on next generation but he was an exploration of Somebody who may or may not be quite as competent as everybody else on the ship. Everybody else that is on the ship is very confident in their abilities, is able to get their job done, works as a well-oiled machine, is the best of the best. And here we have a guy who has a lot of skills but has a lot of anxieties and weirdnesses and things which prevent him from being as good as he can be maybe. And there is a very serious questioning in his episodes of Do I Belong on the Enterprise? And 
we see through the course of Next Generation Barkley learning to step up and be better, and he will never be Captain Barkley, but he's going to fi- he's he has his career. He's going to figure it out. He is going to have a long future in Starfleet, and in a way, I really wish they had leaned into that more with Harry Kim. If they had led into if they had allowed Harry Kim to be as cripplingly, cripplingly self-doubtful and unsure and naive, maybe that would have been an actual character, which is actually based on the character. Because it is true what he says in this episode, like, it's five years later, I'm not the naive young ensign, I've seen a lot of shit, and Harry Kim has seen a lot of shit and has developed a lot of competencies and has gotten better at everything, uh... But I also don't know why he's trying to be a captain, you know? I, I get why Deanna Troy and uh, Dr. Crusher decided to get bridge experience. They are, at the, they are at the top of their careers, and they are searching for new challenges, and this is a fine thing. I don't quite get why Harry Kim is the one who's deciding to get bridge officer training. Well, I, I think there's a couple things there. I mean, number one, of course, is that while that— and while that version of Harry Kim that you outline may be interesting, it also would be a retread of Barkley. And so I, yeah. I don't know if we necessarily need Harry Kim to be the Barkley of Voyager because we already had that character. And and I think that um, the other part of that is is I don't know. Harry Kim seems to want more, but he doesn't really seem to know why he wants more. And a key yeah. feature of Star Trek in general in terms of Starfleet officers is that being a captain or being on the command track has always been the, the the goal to reach for. That's always the brass ring that you want to go for. And, you know, not everyone, charitably speaking, can can do that. And not everyone should want to do that. And I think that not everyone on Voyager wants to do that. Um, well, the thing that I the thing that I want to talk about, and I think I wanted to talk about this with Equinox, but I think this is a good opportunity to, to talk about it, is that, you know, I have really been struggling with with the what the point of Star Trek Voyager is fundamentally. And and we will get to that with Equinox because I think Equinox is a pretty good episode that is also infuriating in a variety of ways. But I fundamentally don't understand. Like TNG was a very good version of TNG. The type of show that TNG was, yeah, it was yeah, a very yeah. good it did a very good job at it. And then DS9 did something very different. It did it did world building very well. It 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 wanted to stay in one place and build out a, a complex narrative and a complex mythology for itself and and characters were were very deeply constructed and grew and changed in very interesting ways over the course of the series. And Voyager is not that show. Enterprise is not that show, and and I don't know if Discovery is that show, but but we'll find out. And so, what I look at it as, I say, you know, the original series is is almost it's almost impossible to criticize. You can do it, but but the original series is something that is so it's important to Star Trek that that it's all like criticizing it is almost beyond is almost beside the point. Um, TNG again was a very good show. DS9 was a very good show, but TNG Voyager Enterprise and TOS are all a very similar type yeah. of show and DS9 is really the outlier. You know, DS9 is the show that did world building. DS9 is the show that did deep character uh interrogations and and examinations. And I think that what we are looking at here with Voyager is this is a return to what Star Trek is, quote unquote. Yeah. And I think that's primarily what is so um what is so aggravating about Star Trek Voyager is that it's pretty good most of the time, but we've already seen this before. We've yeah. already seen a lot of this before. And I like I th- we'll we'll definitely talk about this more with Equinox because I think that there's a lot of stuff with Equinox that is very it, it paints Voyager in a very uncharitable light. But once again, like you said, wrapping this back around to Harry Kim. Yeah. He's another he's another Starfleet character in a TNG style show. And this is what we are getting with him. And is that enough? Obviously not, but it's what we have to deal with. And you just get to this point with Voyager a lot where you're like, I don't know 
I don't know what they're doing, and I don't know what the point of this is. And the point of it is they wrote an episode called Warhead, and we watched it, and that was the point of it. Yeah, I, 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 I it. We, we've talked a lot about how, and this is the stuff that I've read. This seems to be one of the big criticisms of Voyager is that. Yes, well, they do deal with the fact that they are alone and they can't pull on uh, Federation resources the same way that uh, the Enterprise could. Uh, It doesn't really deal with the fact that they are in a fucked up part of the galaxy and they are all by themselves. I mean, there is a degree where the show really could lean more into the what you are in the dark kind of thing, which is where – and Equinox does go into that. Um, But I – I guess the big question for me is why does Harry Kim still want to do this? And there was he wants to do it because he's a character on Star Trek Voyager. Well, there was a. I mean, that's the answer, and I'm not. And I'm yeah. not even trying to be funny. Like that is the answer. And no, and 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 I think that that you know what, like look at look at Warhead as a whole and compare how Warhead progresses as an episode and the plotting of Warhead and the types of scenes that we get in this episode and think about what this episode would be like if it was a TNG episode there is a this episode is a lot right like there is a lot going on in this episode uh Harry Kim is dealing with being a bridge officer Harry Kim is dealing with wanting to prove himself on this away mission. We get Robert Picardo once again getting an opportunity to chew the scenery a little bit. You know, this episode is equal parts Dreadnought and Darkling. Yeah. And we also get this, you know, conception of intelligence, this smart bombs, you know, and then the tension gets ratcheted up, you know, sort of in the last 10 minutes, almost hilariously with this next plot development where there's like 30 other smart bombs that are out there. And there's a little bit of philosophizing at the edges around artificial intelligence and the doctor is dealing and sort of like doing his normal thing of we need to help this artificial intelligence. But what I find with Voyager episodes and Warhead is a perfect example is that there's like four different yeah. there's four different plots going on in this episode and there's four different there's four different metaphors. There's four different symbolisms going on in this episode. There's four different things that we can deal with. And the episode, instead of picking one of them, just throws all four into the mix and just keeps ratcheting things up and ratcheting things up, never really dealing with any of them in any sort of deep, you know, in any sort of deep manner. And then we get to the end of the episode and you're like, okay, great. Like, we found out more about the Doctor. We got a little bit of Harry Kim. We got a little bit of Star Trek, you know, moralizing about, uh, you know, mass warfare and genocide. And then we also got, like, this cool action adventure thing. And, like, it's fine. It's never boring. It it moves along. But I wish that they would slow down. And I wish that they would pick, pick one of these plots, right? Like, just pick one and just deal with it. You know, because... Characters don't talk to each other on this show the way that I wish they did. And yeah. I think that I'm just – I guess I'm just getting tired of – I guess I'm getting tired of this show. Like, Yeah. I, 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 You know, it's like just pick something. Just, just make an episode about something. Like don't keep changing what the episode is about because you have – no attention span well, or or, yeah. or you're not interested in interrogating this or you're getting a bunch of network notes that you need to be sexier and you need to be more action adventure i don't know what it is i mean like when the you know the, when the final plot thing happened and the the 1530 smart bomb suddenly appeared i almost laughed because i'm like are you kidding me we yeah. really didn't need another plot element like we had enough going on yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it it's set up to create a last minute shock and to have that twist at the end and to have I mean because I don't know. I'm about to say because the bomb needs to explode at the end and we need to find a good way for that to explode, but I guess the point that I'm not sure if I believe or not is does the bomb need to explode in the end or not? Uh do, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, should this quote unquote have ended with them figuring out a peaceful way or let's say there are no 30 smart bombs and that the warhead decides, Oh, you're right. That the, the thing is done. Uh, disarm me and give me into that hollow body that you mentioned. And, you know, now we can even have a little recurring character from time to time for the doctor to have tea with like that, that that's that version of this episode. I don't. 
Yeah, because what the what Star Trek Voyager needs as a television show is more, more characters. <laughs> well, you know, eh, eh, but sometimes, but we do talk about how we wish the show had more of a back cast to it, and here's a here's a way to add a character. Like they 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 don't, and especially one where they don't have to worry about the guest star. You know, they can cast kind of anybody as that next week when we de- actually deal with it. But, um. If this is a retread of that TOS thing, I I get why the show didn't have the clear 1960s morals, right? Like, this is late 90s, early 2000s at this point. Uh, stories that can be summed up in an allegory are just not popular at this point. It's considered a too simplistic of a style of storytelling. I mean, this is clearly a – this is – in television, a bridge to the even more complex stories of the 2000s and 2010s, which we're in now, uh, these very elaborate serialized storytelling things. And, you know, but I, I mean, I, I don't want to cut you off, but I, I think that, but I will because, <laughs> because I think that, 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 like, that's a little bit of a mystery. That's a little bit of a red herring. Like, this is not complex. This is just complicated. Like, well, there's. It's com- that that's the thing that really gets me about it is like you can examine a moral issue and not have it come across as a preachy allegory like a a like the worst cliched idea of what the original series was like. Yeah. TNG did that brilliantly. You know, TNG very rarely did the sort of broad allegory beating you over the head with the right moral style of storytelling that TOS did. But what TNG was so good at was was giving you a moral or philosophical problem or quandary and examining it from all angles and letting you come to your own yeah. conclusion about it. And and again, like I don't necessarily want Voyager to be that show, but in an episode like Warhead which does posit a very clear idea about having some sort of you know there there is no moral compromise here i think there is no moral conundrum it's like yeah genocide is bad but there's no indication given that anybody is really engaging with the substance of of this problem and they just instead of engaging with the substance of the problem instead of having the characters talk to each other about it they just throw on more plot elements and this is what voyager does well part of the reason that tng was able to do that very well was while the characters weren't quite archetypes they were much stronger characters so that way their their discussions came from very particular philosophical places deanna troy is always going to talk about the more uh psychological elements of something about that and the emotions behind it crusher is going to be worrying about it from a respect for life kind of way data is going to be talking about in a way of dignity for things that are different from us and so on and so forth and each character does have a very strong place to come from so that way when they are all sitting together in the conference room talking about the issue of the week. That is a very good vehicle for getting different philosophical perspectives on the issue. Uh, There is a tiny bit of that in Voyager. The Doctor is going to argue from a... The the Doctor kind of argues from both Crusher's and Data's perspectives combined. Um, Neelix is going to be on a let's all be nice to each other kind of a way. Neelix is going to argue in favor of diplomacy. But... That's even hard to say. Like, what perspective is Bolana arguing from? What perspective is Tom Paris arguing from? And because the char- what perspective is Harry Kim arguing from? Because the characters do not have this solid base to speak from. Uh, it is. It, it, it's not a good way. It, putting them all in the room to discuss it is not a good way of getting different uh, philosophical perspectives on the issue. Right. And like, again, I don't even really care about the philosophical arguments. I mean, like, but nobody does. I mean, that's well, well, I mean, I I just mean that more broadly. I don't mean that like specifically with Warhead, like because you could make this episode without that entirely. Yeah, of course. You know, Voyager. So Voyager so obviously wants to be a really sexy action adventure show. But they are hampered by the style of of. Yeah, television that Berman era Star Trek got locked into and they're trying they're trying to modernize it and they're just not able to do it for various reasons UPN doesn't want them to do it 
you know, Berman doesn't want them to do it. I don't know, right? I mean, like these are all just suppositions from from years and years of being a Star Trek fan. But there is a tension at the heart of Star Trek Voyager that that we're at the end of the fifth yeah. season, and I still don't think that this show knows what it is, and it's never going to know what it is. I mean, I don't think that's a a uh, a revelatory statement that you are surprised by this show doesn't the only identity that star trek voyager really has is that it doesn't have an identity yeah i mean this is a it is so obviously burnout in this right and again this is something we've gone to a bunch of times but everybody knows what they're doing everybody is really good at their job it's just everybody has been doing this for so long that they've stopped giving a shit they are coming in in the morning they are plugging away they are leaving at the end of the day and they are this is not a show that has any that has a lot of passion behind it right tng is very clearly a passion and love and we wanted to we loved the original series so much we want to bring it back and we really believe in the stories that we're telling and ds9 is this very detailed world that it has a very strong interest in and it's really interested in these characters and it's really interested in the driving question of what is how do you have an essentially peaceful society what do you do when you're confronted with violence and war how do you deal with that how how can you remain true to your identity while still fighting a necessary battle and voyager does again voyager seems like it wants to begin with that how do you stay true to your values when you are when they when nobody else is going to care whether you've stayed true to them or not how do you compromise because nobody's going to notice do you stick to this even if it's going to hurt you and Again, Voyager tries sometimes. Equinox is going to try at that, but nobody really is interested in that question on the staff to the degree that they are obsessed with it to the degree that DS9 was obsessed with its question. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's right. And I I think we're almost done with Warhead because I think we're transitioning over to Equinox. But I I, I think that, that, you know, the, the thing is, like, let's just move on to Equinox because I think that it is the case that, and this is another thing that I wanted to bring up, that um, Equinox was the last episode of Star Trek Voyager to air before the DS9 series finale, What You Leave Behind, okay. in, in May or June of 1999. And this is it. Voyager is now the the Star- sole remaining Star Trek series carrying the, the flag for Star Trek on, on television. And... Um, you know, we, we still had, uh, insurrection, I believe was coming out and, uh, nemesis came out in 2002. So it's not like the last remaining star Trek ever. And when does, when does enterprise, well, enterprise, enterprise starts after Voyager. Okay. So there was no overlap. No, there was no overlap. And I, I think, you know, that, that's what I'm trying to get at is, one once DS9 was on the air and DS9 had been started to be created in like 91 92 and there was a vitality to the franchise and i think that what you see here that they weren't thinking about doing another show like at all yeah. like they had DS9 on the air they had Voyager on the air they knew DS9 was ending but no one made any attempts to try and make another Star Trek show so that there would be two on the air at the same time, because I just don't think anyone wanted to do that. Like it it would not have worked. And I think that's the most damning thing that you can say about Star Trek Voyager is that in a certain sense, Star Trek Voyager was the show that killed Berman era Star Trek, not Star Trek enterprise, because everyone kind of realized that they didn't have it in them to do another one. And I don't think Equinox like Equinox is is a pretty good episode, but it also lays bare a lot of the problems that we have been talking about with Star Trek Voyager over the, over the years. And you know, I I feel like I'm being very hard on Voyager this week, and I I am. Um, but and I do have to say that on an episode by episode basis, I like a lot yeah. of Star Trek Voyager, and I enjoy a lot of these characters. But I have to be clear about the fact that I do not think that this television show is more than the sum of its parts i don't think that it hangs together very well as a as a whole work star trek voyager got seven seasons because the previous two shows got seven seasons and 
you know, there was enough carryover and, and, and enough of that. But I feel like if this is – what's the point I'm trying to make? This feels like a very minor, weird sci-fi show that unfortunately has the Star Trek pedigree and therefore is expected to be a lot more than it. I mean, if this had just – if we had the same exact show and, you know, it was a Federation with the serial numbers filed off kind of a thing, this would be – again, this would be remembered as a weird, quirky uh, 90s sci-fi show that lasted three seasons and had some fans but was about it. And – Maybe. I mean, I, I don't think that you can divorce no. uh, Star Trek Voyager from Star As I'm Trek. saying and, that, and it's hard that to hear, a lot yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot baked into the into the DNA of Star Trek Voyager that just wouldn't make any sense if it wasn't a Star Trek show. Well, I mean, I think that like there's a, there's a good there's a good analogy to be made with like you know something like Farscape, for example, mm. or Stargate SG One. I mean, you know, these are shows that um, are very different from Voyager, and are I, I mean, I know a lot of people really like Farscape. I I think it's just fine. Um, like, I think that on the whole, those three shows are pretty even in the level of quality that they're working on and farscape and i think stargate sg1 are more fondly remembered than star trek voyager now why is that i don't know but well i i i can i think i can tell you because farscape has the real farscape had the henson company working on the puppets and the effects and so just on that level alone on the production design on a show that had non-humanoid aliens it's notable it looks like a really cool show stargate i never really got into but a lot of people like the mythology of it really like the show's humor and kind of meta-ness and i think both of those shows have identities in the way that voyager doesn't voyager's yeah. identity comes from the fact that it has three series behind it to draw on but you know where Farscape and Stargate don't really have much much history to pull from they manage to figure it out very quickly in a way Voyager almost feels like it doesn't need to develop its own identity because it's glomming onto franchise identity and we are seeing the downside of that i think so and and i think that you see that in Equinox and Equinox worries me <laughs> like because I like this episode. I think that it's well done, but implicit in the revelation that there was another Starfleet starship that got pulled into the Delta Quadrant at about the same time that Voyager did, that has had a much worse time than Voyager, that has been yeah. pretty much utterly destroyed. They, they, they were going to abandon the Equinox and just have the remaining crew members stay on Voyager before the Equinox crew uh, did their little mutiny and went back yeah. over to, to the Equinox. Um, this is an episode of the series that I find fundamentally frustrating because it's a it's a what if episode like base you know because you're supposed to think yeah. okay well Equinox has had a really rough time their captain may not be as good as Janeway they are doing very ethically moral and que- you know ethically questionable things morally questionable things to to go as far as Voyager and they didn't have to because Voyager traveled as far as Equinox did without doing a bunch of morally questionable things now of course. Yes. Did Voyager actually <laughs> do morally questionable things? Maybe, maybe. And and we have, you know, go back and listen to the previous like five uh, seasons of this podcast on Voyager to to get our feelings on that. But it it just feels like the show is using this as a way to deflect criticism of itself. Mm. Like, oh, you wanted this? Well, here you go. Do you actually want this? Do you think that this would be fun to watch? And and do you want five seasons of this? I don't think you do. And also that the show is torpedoing any criticism of Voyager as an actual living community because, you know, Captain Ransom in this episode, uh, you know, they're, they're calling each other by their first names and, and yeah. Janeway mentions that, you know, and, you know, obviously the command structure is broken down on Equinox and they're, they're not really thinking of themselves so much as a Starfleet ship anymore. And Janeway has always been the one who was saying, yes, we are keeping yeah, yeah. discipline. You know, we're putting the Maquis people in Starfleet uniforms. And and this is a Starfleet ship. And we are essentially just TNG only in the Delta Quadrant. 
and we have said that that feels fundamentally unsatisfying like that is the show that they want to make and that is fine but this feels like a deflection of the criticism that they they wouldn't be able to do this like more would have happened you know i i always remember this one thing that i forget where i read this but someone said like why don't they just put some fucking plants in the hallways or something? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- you know, this is this is not a star like it's a Starfleet ship, and they want this to be a Star Trek show, but they are fundamentally not engaging with the reality of the situation that they are in. Yeah, that certain command discipline would slip. That they would want to, uh, you know, uh, kind of make Voyager a little more cozy. Sometimes you would think and, Neelix and there's would just be certain things about it that just feel. Equinox feels very calculated to deflect criticism of Voyager in a way that I find frustrating. I didn't quite get that read on it, but I can definitely see that. In other words, yes, uh, Janeway might have dealt with the Borg and may have, you know, attacked Species 8472, but at least she didn't drain cute little mermaid things for uh for, for 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 power i mean at least she didn't eat babies at least janeway is not a baby murderer um although she did murder tuvix well, tuvix was not a baby but um yeah no no it's true you think tuvix was bad well at least she didn't hook him up to a machine and suck out all of the the juice from him <laughs> I guess, yeah, I mean, I guess that's what gets me about Equinox is, like, it is so obviously over-the-top villainous. Yeah. It, I mean, they're essentially it, it, doing, like, Nazi experiments, <laughs> and it's just like, Well, th- this is the show's weird obsession with Nazi experiments. <laughs> I mean, here it is coming again that there is, and especially given... Given some of the themes that the X-Files has gone, which has actually literally featured Nazi experience, again, I wonder what was – I don't know what was going on exactly at this time that this was what was being talked about, but um, – World War II. Yeah, and I guess it was around the 50th anniversary, so people were talking again about it. Maybe it was as simple as that. And the Nazis are such striking imagery that, yes, they do they, – they are going to be recurring in – media for the next couple hundred years as long as long as you know we're not destroyed by actual nazis again which is probably going to happen but um but back to voyager (laughs) yeah um i mean leaving all that aside i mean leaving aside all the criticisms of voyager that this episode lays bare that i've already said and we don't need to repeat and and leaving i mean we'll talk more about the equinox and their experiments and stuff because I, i i find that to be I find that to be both interesting and not interesting in the way that the show wants to it's a, it's an easy way to I guess I am talking about this now. Yeah. It's an easy way to make the equinox feel very different from from Voyager, right? Like Voyager kept it together. Voyager was the ship that made it. They had they've had their problems as we know. They've had their problems in their travails as we have seen. You know, they had even their experiences somewhat similar to the Equinox in Year of Hell where yeah. that all got wiped away and they don't remember it and never actually happened, but we know that they went through that and that that is something that is possible for Voyager to go through. And here is Equinox, the ship is ultimately destroyed. They they almost have no dilithium left. They're operating on thrusters. They're conducting these horrible experiments. These are Starfleet and, and Federation citizens that are pushed to the very edge of their beliefs and, and who they think they are. And they just want to desperately get home and, and they fall into this situation. There's this escalating series of tensions where they don't know what these aliens are and they 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 try and get one to communicate with it and then it dies and that's yeah. terrible and they didn't mean to do it. But hey, we can turn it into energy and we can get 10,000 light years further in two days or whatever it was. And then the, the, the gears start turning and they go, okay, well, you know. Yeah. That's all fine. I mean, I think that the show shortcuts some of that stuff and, and I don't know that I be, I don't know that I completely buy it. Yeah. But they 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 do enough to they do enough to convince me that this could be a thing that happens. You know, yeah. the, the Equinox is a ship that wasn't designed for long-term deep exploration of space and all that kind of stuff, you know? So, oh, oh, okay. All right. I, I'll buy it. But I guess we're going to have to see where it goes in the next seat in the next episode. But yeah, really this episode only 
exists or is important or worth talking about because it is in it is it is it is in conversation with Star Trek Voyager as a television a television series. And I think one of my issues with that. So on the X-Files on our other podcast tuning in there have been a lot of episodes recently that is the X-Files talking about itself. I mean, this week we recorded on uh, SR something or other and Tythonus, which are both, in a way, retreads of earlier episodes, which are commenting on the direction that the X-Files has taken, the way the show has evolved and all of that. And the X-Files has has a very strong identity. Again, it's it's certainly different in season six than it is in season one. But it has a very clear couple of things that it wants to say. Chris Carter does have a very strong vision for the show, even if he isn't quite always able of pulling off the meta plot. It does have that very strong uh, authorial view behind it. And Voyager doesn't. And again, here we're going with the show having no identity. It's very difficult for the show to make any salient comments about itself when it doesn't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think that's spot on. And and if we I had mean, started off, I mean, if we had Picard dealing with the ship, Picard has the absolute moral authority to say, "Listen, any time I've broken the Prime Directive, it was with a hell of a lot of soul searching and discussion with my senior staff, and I, it was the right thing to do. It was the thing that would." save more people or would help this civilization. Even Kirk didn't do as much discussion, but Kirk knew that when he broke the Prime Directive, it was because of a very particular reason, because the society was stagnating and we have to destroy the computer that's keeping it stagnant. When Cisco makes that very bold decision in in the pale moonlight, we know we know who he's been, we've known what his moral stances have been, and this breaking of it is treated as seriously as that. And Again, it's a very strong statement on the show's obsession with the question of how do you deal with war when you are a peaceful pacifist. And yeah, Janeway has made – when Janeway says, no, I've never broken the prime directive, I've bent it, I burst out laughing. Right. And right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if we agree that the two captains are being a little uh, circumspect with each other, maybe she's not quite ready to admit the degree of stuff and – Obviously, he is lying about the fact that he's never broken the Prime Directive. Um, It doesn't really have that much weight coming from her. I mean, this is an episode that needs to not deal with Janeway being above this all, but recognizing that, holy shit, I might have made that same exact decision. Like, in no—I believe, actually, that Janeway might have made—if at the very—if she didn't— Janeway might not have summoned more creatures and taken more in and started doing the active experimentations, but she would have taken the 10,000 years, been a little somber about it, but figured that was another gift in a way. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, I I agree with you that I don't think Janeway would have uh, ordered the the Voyager crew to to continue to capture these aliens to to use them for fuel. But yeah, I mean, she she may um, have gone, well, okay, this one died accidentally. It was horrible, uh, but but let's let's get something out of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that version of the Doctor, for example, deleted his Cardassian friend because he couldn't, in good conscience, use that research, which had already happened decades you know years ago and he that version of the doctor would never do this i mean that 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 is somewhere where i can say there is a very strong morality there the doctor would never countenance these these experiments no no he he would never do that and but yes the version of the doctor that was just turned on and never had that moral grounding might do well no they they explicitly say that they deleted his ethical subroutine oh yes yes yeah um so (laughs) <laughs> but but I think that that I mean I don't I don't find the doctor super interesting in no. this episode because he's just a plot device but no I mean I think that that what Equinox is trying to do if it is trying to do anything is it is trying to show a the audience that they didn't really want the version of Star Trek Voyager that they thought they wanted because this would be tedious to watch for seven seasons yeah but also that that 
they were right to jettison a lot of the elements of the show that could have led them on a path of developing less of a Starfleet identity. Mm. And, you know, because because they have dealt with these issues in a circumspect way. I mean, I I think that the Brown and Braga seasons of Voyager are more entertaining yeah. than the Michael Pillar or Jerry Taylor seasons of the show. I, I think the Jerry Taylor seasons of the show are the weakest. I think that the Michael Pillar seasons of the show obviously have much more of an identity and an idea of what they're trying to do with this concept than the rest of the show. And and I remember talking about seasons one and two of this show in a in a laudatory fashion in saying that I think yeah. a lot of the criticisms of Voyager where they never dealt with the Maquis stuff or they never dealt with the fact that they were in the Delta Quadrant uh, were, were wrong. Yeah. You know, I think that the show did deal with that stuff and they did bring it up. Now, was it a Battlestar Galactica type situation? No, but but that's not what Star Trek yeah. was. And that was never in the cards. Um, but I think that that. What what this lays bare is the idea that they could not have done that, that that they wanted to deal with the Maquis in a certain way, that they wanted to grapple with the... I mean, I remember, you know, Chakotay having conversations with Janeway about this, about, hey, you know, look, we're in the Delta Quadrant. Um, Starfleet rules and regulations are not always going to be appropriate. They were they were written yeah. for a very different set of circumstances in a very different context, and we are outside of that context. And and he has won a couple of those arguments, and he has lost a couple of those arguments. And, and Janeway has also done things that I don't think that that she never would have done if they were still in the Alpha Quadrant, making a, an alliance with the Borg and Scorpion, yeah. for instance. But at the end of the day, Voyager is the hero ship of this show, and they are the ones that have to be the standard bearers for Star Trek and the standard bearer for, for Federation and Starfleet morality. And Equinox doesn't have to be because they are, you know, they're uh, they're the Pegasus, right? They're that captain. They're the guy who's going to go off and start a war with the Cardassians because he can because he's a guest star. And they are going to reinforce the morality of our characters. Mm. And, 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 and in a sense, all of the questions and all of the sort of like justifications that Star Trek Voyager has made for certain actions of its cast and its crew, uh, not its cast, because that's not, I don't know what they do in their personal lives, of the crew, um, and is, is, is in conjunction with Equinox, and it is justifying, and it is sort of like telegraphing the morality of our characters because they are the ones that are telling the Equinox and showing the Equinox and talking them down from doing these terrible things. And I think that is also the point of the episode. It doesn't work nearly as well yeah. as the episode like the Pegasus did in TNG because I don't think this, the Voyager crew is as moral as the TNG yeah. crew. But that's okay. Like that that at the tension at the heart of Voyager has always been okay. That they have to bend the rules sometimes yeah. because they're in a very different context and they are one ship alone in the Delta Quadrant. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Again, using the Equinox to highlight some of the difficult decisions that Janeway has made and when she has made the wrong decisions and her second guessing of herself in episodes like night. Um, again, Equinox feels like it wants the crew. It, Equinox really needs our main cast to be a bit more moral paragons in order to have the authority when, um, but as written, they don't. And again, there is no, understanding well, there isn't a really strong understanding of kinship between that decision or you know maybe what they did to those creatures is just as bad as what i did to the borg for example um this i mean i i i agree with you but i also think that that another element of this is that this is a very top-down view of morality mm-hmm. that that i don't you know you say the i mean and i've said this too that the crew of voyager is not as moral or whatever but i think it's janeway mm. right well, like I think Chakotay is 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 very moral. Yeah. I think that Tuvok is. I think you know. I think most of the most of the characters on the show are are more. They're they're less morally gray than Janeway is, and and Voyager has always been a show that that takes its lead from Janeway. The crew takes its orders from Janeway, and that really is the the key here. That we have a showdown between two captains. We have a showdown between Janeway and Maddox, who put in very similar circumstances, have made 
kind of different kind of different decisions and and i don't know that i completely buy that janeway can have the moral high ground with maddox yeah um not maddox ransom i don't know where maddox came from there is a character named maddox at some point right yeah there, there's more than one um I think. Uh, part of it i do think the ways in w- uh, Stuff like calling Janeway Captain versus calling Ransom by his first name that I don't remember. Um, It is interesting how the crew of the Equinox, at least the version we meet, uh, do work more as a unit and are considered to have the same culpability. There is no – nobody on the ship believes you were just following orders because, number one, they all – knew what they were doing they did nobody did refuse and they're all on a first name basis they're very chummy um part of that almost does seem to be a something calculated from ransom to in other words i'm gonna make a less formal thing that way my guilt is distributed among everybody else all of this is going under ransom orders if in other words, if the lady had said, oh, I, the doctor and I came up with this thing to drain all life from them, and the captain says, no, absolutely not, they're going to stop the experiments. I mean, that is right, probably – that right. is w- it, whether or not they're on a first-name basis or not. He's the one who's made the d- decision, and he has manipulated his crew's attitudes towards him in a way that they all feel equal in terms of guilt. Something like Tuvix, for example, is all Janeway's decision. The crew is following orders, and maybe they should have spoken up or something, but that's on Janeway. What they did with the Borg in 8472, that's on Janeway. Janeway has... in And this is the flip side of Janeway doing what... Uh, going off on her own and doing what needs to be done, and I'm going to solve the Omega Crisis by myself without any of my staff, because... Ultimately, the culpability does rest with her. Um, yeah, and again, this is a this is a difficult question that has fascinated philosophers and moralists for centuries. Where is the culpability of a soldier? If a war crime is committed, is it you know is it all on the the, the person who ordered it? Is it on the person who did it? Like, like these these are very difficult questions that I don't think Voyager is prepared to answer in any way. And no, I don't think so either. But but I I, I mean I think that's okay. I mean I I'm not really looking for Voyager to answer questions that that yeah. have plagued people for centuries. Um, but I also think that that the sh- I mean this episode in particular does a pretty good job of at least establish I mean this I mean in, in a hilarious way Equinox does a better job of giving each of the four like main characters of, of that we see on the Equinox yes. uh, personality yes. than Voyager has done in five years on some of these characters I mean I think Maxwell Burke is a more dynamic character than Harry Kim has shown himself to yeah. be for example and and the fact I mean, that- part of that is is deliberate because they want them to be gregarious and friendly, and we want they the show wants us to to like these characters yeah. before it 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 you know pulls the rug out from us and and lets us know exactly what they were doing. Um, but but at the other hand, too, it's that there is a very clear there is a very clear dynamic between them, and I think part of that comes from the circumstances that they were put in, certainly. Mm-hmm. But I also think the part of that just comes from the fact that there are so many fewer of them. Yeah, it's a lot uh, easier. I mean, I, I think the the implication. I mean, the 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 Equinox is obviously a much smaller ship than Voyager. You can even see that on screen. It's like mm. a quarter of the size of Voyager, or maybe a fifth of the size of Voyager. And and it sounds like I mean, Ransom has that one line where he says that you know within like a week of yeah. being in the Delta Quadrant, they lost like forty of their crew members or thirty nine of their crew members, and yeah. so that sounds like maybe they lost almost their entire. I know crew. that's. I mean, that's a quarter of Voyager's crew for one. I mean, that would have right. been a massive blow to Voyager, and you know, even if it's a third, you know, it could be a third to half even of the Equinox and that's going to fuck things up anyway. Anytime anybody gets killed, it's a big deal on Voyager. Less so than less so in later seasons that it had been in the original than the first few, but it is still they can't afford to lose many people. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's really the, the, the key there is that, you know, they, they, they almost cartoonishly make the Equinox's situation much, much worse than Voyager to justify what they're doing. But, you know, it, it kind of works. And, and I think that that's, you know, um, the other part of it that is that is hard is that, you know, this is only one half of a two part. And so we have to see where this is going yeah. to go. And I think that, you know, we could easily see the resolution of this being much less interesting than, than the, the yeah. establishment of it. I mean, I Frank, it's weird that it's a two-parter because it does feel like it extends past where it would normally end. No, a normal episode of this would end, but okay, let's go into the Alpha Quadrant. The, the 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 TNG version of this episode would end with they figure out what the uh, what the Equinox did and everybody's arrested and brought to justice and all of that. But number one, can they just put these people in the brig for the next? x number of years that they're there i mean that's the there is no exact solution that they can figure out so of course they need to do something more complex and i don't know where part two is going to end with this but it needs to address the fact that they're not just going to be in the brig for the rest of the journey um right yeah and, for sure but it does feel like also i mean it's a two-parter because it's the season finale i don't know if it naturally feels like a two-parter but I don't know what else is going to happen in it. I, I, I mean, I don't either, but I, I mean, I do think that at least they do a pretty good job of, of, oh, yeah. of ending it on a note. I mean, the Equinox crew escapes and, and Hey, the Voyager is going to go after them. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Let's see what happens. Right. I mean, that, that's fine. I, I yeah. think as a two parter, as a season ender, it's a little flat, but, but as a two parter, I think it at least justifies itself. Yeah. And you know, of course, I mean, seven and the doctor are on the Equinox right now, I believe. Is that where they ended are up? They? Well, the uh, doctor, the doctor is. I don't know if seven is. I saw the seven. Oh yeah, I wasn't. Why did I think she was on the equinox? I don't know. She was knocked out in engineering by the lady, right? Is that what happened? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, the doctor's on. I actually don't know where the doctor is because doctor- I don't. I th- I thought the doctor was destroyed because like the 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 equinox EMH just hits his yeah. Uh, uh, emitter and then starts using it and i thought that the whole way the emitter worked is that it would download the doctor into yeah. the emitter so like how could the equal i don't know maybe the maybe they're maybe the voyager doctor was like transferred to their sick bay it's probably worth not even thinking about yeah i know uh, yeah I, I mean again they'll 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 tech whoever wrote uh, who wrote this script um Either way, whoever wrote this script did not give a shit what happened to the doctor. Figured whoever's writing part two will figure it out. Very true. Well, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens in Equinox part two. If you have any thoughts on either of the episodes we just talked about, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at truckaboutshow.com. As I did not say earlier, because we were so eager to move on to Equinox, this podcast is listener supported. There are costs associated with this podcast, and if you enjoy what we do each and every week, we would appreciate if you would give us a gift of even $1 a month. That would be very helpful. Patreon.com slash truckaboutshow. It also supports our other podcast tuning in this week. We are going to be talking about the X-Files two-parter, two fathers and one son. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we are there. Truckaboutshow is our username in all those platforms. And as always, please leave us an Apple podcast review for Truck About. It is the best way for new people to find the show. All right. Next week, we are going to be moving on to the sixth and penultimate season of Star Trek Voyager, the last Brian and Braga season of Star Trek Voyager as well. We're going to be talking about Equinox Part 2 and Survival Instinct. <laughs>